Hello, 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 my cuties. Hope you guys are doing well. So I have received some feedback from our listeners. They are not sure if the products they are advertised in our commercial parodies are real products or fake products. So disclaimer again: those products are fake. They do not exist. Although I hope some of them exist. Of course, yeah, I invented them. So, if you want to invest in my business idea, let me know. We will make it happen. So, I have been wanting to do this interview for a really long time. So, some of you know I was diagnosed as HIV positive back in February, which is about four months ago. And ever since my diagnosis, I have a lot of thoughts about HIV in general. So I have been wanting to invite another person who is also HIV positive to be on my podcast and just talk about the experience living with HIV. So, which brought me to my guest today, Gary O'Brien. I got to know Gary when I attended Being Alive LA support group for HIV people. So Being Alive LA is a Nonprofit organization based in Los Angeles, and their mission is to help people living with HIV. And Gary O'Brien, he was a facilitator at one of the support groups on Fridays. So I attended the group, and then I got to know him, and we just kept in touch. And Gary is a really nice and kind person, and he is also HIV positive. He has a lot of thoughts, experience about this disease as well. So, in today's episode, it's very informative and insightful, and at the same time, it's also very vulnerable. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this, and hope everybody will have a more well-rounded understanding of this disease. I know it sounds serious, but okay, don't worry. I promise you, this episode is still gonna be just as funny. Okay, this is not a A TED talk about HIV. No, okay, we still try to make this funny. All right, let's go. Thank you so much. Woo! This podcast is supported by Truly Insulting. Are you tired of all the toxic positivity you see on social media? Are you looking for someone to tell you that you are indeed a piece of shit? Truly Insulting provides you with professional, certified public speakers who will insult you, embarrass you, and let you realize you're not as perfect as you think you are. I know what you are thinking. Why would I want to be insulted when my parents have been doing that since my childhood? Well, here's the thing. Okay, sometimes we could all become assholes at some points. And we need people to tell us how big of an asshole we are. Are you always late, and your friends are just too nice to tell you to change? Well, hire a speaker from Truly Insulting to verbally punish yourself to tell you that your late ass is exactly why your mom never loves you, and it's also why nobody wants to match with you on Tinder. And that's how you are still a desperate, lonely virgin at the age of forty-five. Well, I guarantee you will never be late again. You do need someone to enlighten you by saying all the dirty truth you don't want to hear. You can also hire a truly insulting speaker to insult other people. Perhaps you want to give your friend a birthday surprise, or you want to insult your neighbor who likes to play loud country music during the night. 
Seriously? Who listens to country music at 2 in the morning? I love truly insulting because it's so convenient. You just have to fill out an online questionnaire designed to set you up with one of their truly insulting speakers. They are certified by the United States Verbally Aggressive Association. And one hour session with each speaker is only $2,000. If you use the promo code Oliver, you can get a panel to insult you during one session. An entire panel. How awesome is that? It's like an orchestra. Go on trulyinsulting.com today for personal reality check. This commercial is created for entertainment purposes only. The product that was advertised does not exist. Let's get into Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. It's really nice to finally see you in person. <laughs> you too. It's been a while. It's I think because of COVID. And- it's COVID, and then it was in February. Yeah, which was like when I found out I was HIV positive. That's right. Yeah, and then I forgot how I got introduced to being alive. Actually, uh, I think you, I think you just went online and you were looking for support groups. Oh, maybe yes, yes, yes. Oh my god, you remember it? I didn't even remember. Yeah, oh, yeah. And yeah. then I found out uh, being alive, mm-hmm. LA. And yep. then uh, I guess I found the support group and I emailed you and that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 And so Friday nights uh, for two hours, we call it Friday Night Light. And I've been doing this for six years. Mm. On Friday nights, I've been volunteering for two hours for Friday nights for the past six years. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that, that the time flew. I it, it, it. It's really helpful, especially for, I guess, people who just got diagnosed that like we really didn't really know what to do mm-hmm. and we didn't really know what to expect and it's really nice to you know join a group and hear other people's experience and yeah yeah this yeah. group and I, I i i trained to be a volunteer originally with um the life group la it used to be part of la shanti mm. and that's where i learned when i when i t- tested positive in 2003 uh Shocking. I was shocked and stunned and appalled. I honestly, the last thing I thought I was going to have was HIV. So it's, I, I just, I knew I had friends already. Two of my really close friends were already HIV positive. So I called them immediately. I'm like, what, what do I do? What do I do? Oh my God. This is like, uh, just rocking my world. And they just said, well, just look at me. I take my pill, one pill every day. And I'm, I'm, I have my job. My health is good. I travel. I live a normal life. So if, if, if I can do it, you can do it. Why, why should your life be any different than mine? And I was like, that's just what I needed to hear. That is exactly what I needed to hear too when I first found out. Yeah. yeah. But I guess like, just as you can imagine, even though when people are telling you, you are going to be fine, you're going to be healthy. In the beginning, you will still feel like this, this extremely uh, uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in the first week, I was like, Oh my God, my life is going to the toilet. <laughs> Even though people telling me it's not gonna, but I was like, are you sure it's not gonna? Like, how do you know stuff like that? Yeah. But uh, I, but right now, uh, just for our listeners, I have already turned undetectable for uh, about a month. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fine now. That's, that's yeah. great. I mean, yeah. since two months of starting the medication, you've gone from 
like virus a viral level of whatever down to zero. Yes, yes. And uh, that's what undetectable means. There's no virus showing in your blood work. So I, I, I think a lot of listeners, they don't know the difference between HIV and AIDS and they don't know what undetectable means. means. Can, you, can you briefly explain? Yeah. Yeah, well, HIV is the, infect- is the virus you get yeah. <clears throat> that causes you, you know, to have AIDS eventually. Yeah. So they're not, they're not, like, you don't have AIDS when you get H- test HIV positive. Yeah. An actual AIDS diagnosis is like a T cell count of your healthy white fighting blood cells, white cells. Uh, like 250 to 300. Like if your numbers drop that low, then that's that's when you're vulnerable and you basically can get really sick. What's the normal range of T cell? Uh, I've heard different numbers. I yeah. think it's around 750 or something like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And mine oh. aren't up there. Like mine, see what happened with me is when I tested positive, that my doctor's like, let's just wait and see. That was back in the day, yeah. 18 years ago, when he said, we're not going to rush on the medication. And I was like, Phew. Thank God. I the reason why they meds. want they don't want to rush is because they are afraid the medication will exacerbate your uh, sickness. I don't think so. I don't think they're worried about that. I think they just wanted to like some people, you know, T cells stay strong that mm. are HIV. It's not not everybody gets sick when yeah. the T cells go down. But after two two and a half years, my T cells were dropping and getting down to four hundred. And then high 300s. And then that's when my doctor said, yeah, I think it's time. And I, mm. he said, we, we brought you a couple of years, but now it's time. And I, I'm not a big pill person even yeah. now. I hate taking painkillers or any kind of, you know, <clears throat> medication. It just feels intrusive. Yeah. And toxic. Yeah, and toxic. You yeah. know, I just, uh, I've never had to take that pill. But you know what? If we didn't have it, uh, I may not be here today. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Because I was in Colombia backpacking a couple of summers ago and I lost my meds. I was there for a month and I lost my meds the first week there. Oh my God. At a, at a backpacking hostel or somebody stole them. I, they just disappeared. I'm like, they were in my toiletry bag. Now they're gone. Who right. wants, who need, you know, who wants my, who even knows those are HIV meds? <clears throat> right. You know, I mean, yeah. they're going to be a surprise. Yeah. It's not candy. And then I, my T cells really dropped. Like when I, I noticed that was the first vacation I had taken in yeah. a long time. So when I came back, my viral load, I was no longer undetectable, which means no virus in your blood, uh, like you are now. Two, yeah. two questions. How long was your vacation? How long? Yeah. How long was that vacation? Four weeks. Four weeks. Oh my God. Okay. And I lost my, yeah. When I, I'm a teacher, so I have summers off. So yeah. I, I, I love to travel. Yeah. <laughs> Backpacking, you know, and just, just exploring the world. So, but I called my doctor, yeah. emailed her from uh, Medellin, Colombia. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I lost my meds. As What should I do? And she was pretty concerned. She said, well, <clears throat> you should be able to get by the next three weeks without them. But as soon as you get back, get right back on the medications. And hopefully you have not built up a resistance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you go off a certain medication and then you go back on it, your body de- denies it. Like it doesn't work anymore. So there was no chance for you to look for medication locally in Colombia? Uh, well, I did call, uh, my friend, Sunny Rose. She's the owner, the founder of the the Life Group LA, where I trained to be an emotional group facilitator, which I still do now on Friday nights, like we said. And she said, uh, I think it was called, um, um, what's the name of that HIV organization that's international? They have offices in, like, I think AIDS Healthcare, I think AHF. Okay. AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Yeah. AHF. And she said, try to try to find it, one of their offices there. Mm. And then we did, and they did not have the same medication I was on at that time. Oh, I see. They had other, like, 
in Colombia, you have to take like four or five pills a day. Like they're not, they're not like as fortunate as we are. Right. Yeah. One pill a day, which is so much easier. Yeah. I guess there's another issue is like, I guess a lot of people, especially in the United States, they have access to healthcare. They have access to, you know, HIV medication. So they would feel like HIV is no longer an issue. But for people coming from not as fortunate in the countries with less access to medications and healthcare resources, right. HIV is still a big issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, uh, if you, like, I, I'm so lucky that I am in the United States, so I have access to the healthcare. So it makes me feel like, oh, maybe HIV is not that big of a deal. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah. that's not true for people in other countries, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even the same with COVID, you know? Yeah, exactly. The vaccination. Like, like my friend had to fly here from Germany last month to get his vaccination. Oh, my God. They don't have they don't have them in Germany. Yeah, it's like these... It's the same ones that we have. Global inequality. <laughs> well, yeah. it's it, it really is. And yeah. Europe, by, by, by nature, is pretty ahead of the game with medicine and, so, and social progress and yeah. quality of life. But... With this COVID situation, uh, they didn't have access to the vaccines. But, yeah. um, but the poorer countries, like in Africa and Central America and South America, like the pe- people that are really, really poor in those countries, don't don't have access to the medications that we have, and it's 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 really unfair. Personally, I I just think people are people. You know, yeah, people with money don't aren't better than people who are poor. It, it's like HIV doesn't does not discriminate. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if somebody gets it, then they hopefully will have access to proper care. Yeah. So uh, I, I want to go back to talk about the undetectable equals untransmittable. Mm-hmm. So uh, just for our uh, you know audience, can you explain what does that mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of people, and I think this is a big part of the stigma of people who are ignorant about the facts of HIV like we are because we, we, we live it, we have it. Yeah. Is that um, they, they think that even gay men, the stigma within the gay community that if you're HIV positive, that um, you can you can infect them. Like they're vulnerable, you yeah. know, if you don't have a condom or if anything happens or a condom breaks or any kind of risks. So, <clears throat> it, it, but when you explain to people that you're undetectable, meaning that I can't, I, I can basically have a child with a woman and, and the child will, will not be infected. Exactly. The, the woman won't be infected. Yeah. Or my partner will not be infected. And then, a lot of guys are on PrEP too. Yeah. Which is, you know, the pill they take to prevent getting HIV. But I think there's a lot of ignorance around, like, if, if you say, look, look, I'm undetectable. Like, yeah. the virus is not present in my, in my blood work. Yeah. Um, I can't, it's almost impossible for yeah. me to, to infect you. They think we're just making it up so we can have fun. I totally understand. Yeah. Because we're, we're lying to them or something. And it's like, dude, I'm trying to let you know that this is the new norm. Yes, and I, I think being HIV positive, I, although I know what undetectable means, sometimes I feel like it's really difficult for me to explain to a stranger when we are about to have sex. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we are in the heat, we are in the moment, and mm-hmm. now he asks me about my status, and I'm like, Oh, I'm HIV positive, but undetectable. It's like it's a huge turn off. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. 
Not I, sexy. Not sexy. And, not, and and if he does not know what undetectable means, I need to put on a lecture. I'll be, I need to be like, hey, this is what it means. It's not going to infect you. Don't worry. Right. But this is T-cell count. And this is my viral load. And just too much information. Yeah. And it's... In the heat of the moment, especially. It's just like, okay, we like, were just kissing, but now I feel like I'm being in a class. <laughs> now I've lost my erection. Yeah. <laughs> so I... How... What is your experience with disclosure and educating people who don't know about undetectable? Well, for years, I, outside of, you know, personal relationships or anything sexual, I, I did... This is how I got over, you know, dealing with the disappointment or the shame or the depression of, of getting HIV is, you know, I just went to support groups. I learned how to become a facilitator and volunteer. I was asked by this organization called Positively Speaking mm, that mm. Uh, is funded by the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. And I was trained to come up with my story to explain to pretty much junior high school kids that are starting to, become, you know, sex ed as part of their sex education. I went to schools and were like, you know, disclose my whole situation of getting HIV or having sex with another human being it was gross enough to them. But when I mentioned it, you know, I was into guys, they were just like, ew. <laughs> and um, it's kind of cute, actually. <laughs> it is cute. But I mean, I just like, here I am disclosing my HIV status yeah. to all these strange, like hundreds and hundreds of, of like junior high school kids throughout the greater LA area. Yeah. And my own sisters don't even know yet. Or my nieces and nephews. Like I haven't, hadn't disclosed it to them at that time so i thought that was interesting but but as far as to answer your question i think you meant like if i'm if i meet somebody and i disclose my hiv status what have my experiences mm -hmm. been in terms of their reaction yeah yeah I, I would say definitely before um being undetectable existed that was the hardest because there's a lot of fear wrapped around it there's a lot of stigma like undetectable wasn't even an option back then like we were always we just tried to keep a viral level down on the mm. meds, but it was never zero. We never never got it undetectable until a few years ago. Mm. <clears throat> but because um, there are people that, that have explained, you know, that they, they've had unsafe sex and, you know, shared all the bodily fluids with somebody else. And that was that a t people would say that's really irresponsible. That's, you know, that's that's so unsafe. You shouldn't do that. But now with undetectable existing. Um, it is kind of frustrating to have to explain it and teach somebody and, you know, but it's worth it if, if they truly are open-minded, like I've told people I'm positive and they're like, oh, it's fine. Whether it's on a chat site or that's usually how a lot of us meet nowadays, right. On, mm -hmm. on websites. And, um, and I put my status there. I just say undetectable, you know, but before there was undetectable, I, I would, I just would just leave my status you know, uh, anonymous until I met the person. Mm. Because I never had sex with anybody without telling them. Like, I feel it's my responsibility to at least let them know. Right. But now that I'm undetectable, it's, uh, it, I don't know. I think there's still, I have been rejected and people have said, oh, it's fine. I don't care if you're positive or whatever. And then you never hear from them again. Mm. You know, because they, they really do have issues with it. And, you know, before I tested positive, I definitely had, fear wrapped around it. And I know I, I met people that were positive and uh, I, I had, I had my fears and judgments about it. So I know I, I can't blame them, but I don't blame them. And I also understand that to them, I am also a stranger. So how do I make them trust me when I say I'm undetectable? You know, yeah. I think the, 
the only thing that I can do is to show the evidence. It is to show the actual paperwork, paperwork, and saying, "Hey, this is my viral load, and I'm definitely undetectable. Believe me." Mm-hmm. But also, which means I can't give it to you. Like they, yeah. they need to know that. Like you, it's undetectable means that you're you're gonna remain undetectable yourself. Yeah, but yeah. also at the same time, I feel like why why do I need to prove myself to you as a stranger it's like i want to prove to you but also at the same time how to explain if i tell you i have a cancer i don't know it's like it's not like you ask me hey show me your paperwork i want to see if you actually have cancer right right but but i guess because we are going to have sex so that's the whole deal it's yeah a sexually transmitted disease exactly but yeah i understand do people feel sorry for you or victimize you when you tell them, hey, I'm HIV positive. Sometimes, I mean, I tell my friends, hey, I'm HIV positive, undetectable. And they will say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. I appreciate their empathy. But also at the same time, I don't want them to feel like I am a victim. You right, know? right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you're not coming across as one. Yeah. Right? You're not like, oh, poor me, or whatever, life isn't fair. Or, like, you're just telling them your status. Yes, yes. <clears throat> you know? And, and they probably don't know what undetectable means either. You have to explain it to them as well. <laughs> right? Yes. And I think the, the, the most simple version that I can tell them is undetectable means is untransmittable. It means even if we have sex without condoms, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you the, 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 the virus. virus. Yeah. I, I think it is still weird to have sex without condoms because I think most gay men, they are taught and conditioned that safe sex is always 100% a must. So sex without condoms is considered extremely risky mm-hmm. and irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. there's other STDs out there too. Flo- yes. Floating around. It's not just HIV. It's exactly. <laughs> but... But everybody's a lot of people don't like condoms, and a lot of people love bareback,ing and they, and uh, I think a lot of them are undetectable, positive undetectable, and feel feel comfortable with their status yeah. and their sexuality to to do that. But with a stranger and somebody you just just met, you should wear a condom. I mean, yeah. you know, you just gotta protect yourself. Yeah, I understand the 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 the, the feeling that a condom will become a physical barrier to to prevent you from actually connect with the other person. I understand that aspect. Yeah. But also at the same time, I really, well, because now I'm, I'm positive. So I guess I have to just like, yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it to not wear a condom in order to feel connected with a stranger. Right. It's like, first of all, he's a stranger or, or she's a stranger, whatever gender you want to identify with. Like that person is a stranger. Why would you want to be connected to a stranger to begin with? But I guess it, when you are really lonely and desperate, maybe that was one of the psychological reasons mm-hmm. that yeah. I really want to feel loved. I really want to be connected. And I don't care if you are a stranger. Let's, yeah. let's do it without condom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's take a break. Be right back. This podcast is supported by Visa, Vulnerable International Student Association, an online course that teaches vulnerable international students tips and tricks on how to survive in America. I was once an international student. 
literally didn't know a thing about America and had so many confusions and difficulties. It wasn't just an English issue. It was a lot of day-to-day -day life questions. Where is the nearest Asian market? Do I use Fantran or Uber Eats? What's the difference between Marshalls, Ross, and DD Discount? How do I break my lease so I can move in with my American lover? Trust me, you want to know the answer. We are offering a 200 episode online course covering all topics you want to know as an international student. Now go online to vulnerableinternationalstudentassociation.com to start your one day trial. The complete course is only $499, which is way cheaper than most college courses. Class credits are not transferable. Use your promo code Oliver to get one bonus episode where I share some tips on how to survive in America if you are lactose intolerant. This commercial is created for entertainment purposes only. The product that was advertised does not exist. When you had sex with the person who gave you the virus, mm -hmm. what was your reason behind that decision? Well, I believe it was with somebody. I was bartending uh, a, like a rave in downtown LA. And I had had a couple of uh, Red Bull and vodkas at the end of the night to have fun with all the guests. And I was feeling a little happy at the end of the night. And I met a really cute guy that was visiting from San Francisco. And uh, it had been quite a while since I'd had any, any, you know, human contact. So he wanted to hang out after work. So he went back to my place. One thing led to another. And uh, I told him, I told him my status, he wore a condom and then he left early the next morning. And then the next day when I woke up, I went to the bathroom and there was, the condom was in the trash, but it was like torn. It was ripped. It had broken for sure. And mm. I was like, oh no. Uh, I think that that's, the, that, that's when I first got nervous about the possibility of having gotten something. But over time, I just forgot about it and said, just don't overanalyze it because I, I overanalyze everything. Did he tell you <clears throat> his status? I don't remember. Um, I don't think he did tell me his status. Um, but he wore a condom though. So, you know, I don't remember. It was like almost 20 years ago. But uh, backtracking, <clears throat> so frustrating when you're about to engage and, you know, having sex, especially being undetectable now. It's almost like I don't even need to tell people my status because I, I, they're not in danger. Yeah. So why, you know, this is my thing lately. Like maybe I'm, it's not the, it's just, nobody needs to know because I'm, I'm not a danger to anybody. It's a dilemma. It just gives them a reason to judge me or label me if I, if I tell them, which what's frustrating is when I do tell people like you did, you know, and told that guy that you were undetectable and if, if you're in the heat of the moment that you would explain everything. Like if you didn't bring it up and a lot of times they don't even ask, they don't ask, oh, what's your status? Yeah. But when you bring it up and you're honest, which I've done disclosing in the yeah. past, then they had, you know, they just changed their mind. It or usually they call, kills the mood. Kills the mood. Yeah. And I didn't have to do that. See, so by having integrity and being honest, yeah, that was my goal. Um, it backfired a lot because people, and it, what's funny is they were ready to, you know, to have sex with you. Yeah. And they, because, and they never even asked my status. Yeah. You know, so it's like this denial, like nobody wants to hear it or talk about it. Exactly. Oh my God, that is so interesting. I mean, for me, I experienced this dilemma like recently a lot. Like, I want to be honest with you, but also at the same time, I don't feel the need to be honest with you actually. Yeah. Because the reason why undetectable exists is to prevent the transmission of HIV. 
And now I know I'm not going to give you the virus under any circumstances because I'm undetectable. Do I still have the obligation to tell you if you are not at any risk? It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any answer. I guess that's the reason why I want to have this conversation because I guess a lot of gay men who are undetectable, they experience the same feelings like, is it still necessary to tell people when you are already undetectable? I guess it depends on the person and how, you know, just how seriously they, they feel like they have to be honest and upfront about yeah. their status. And for you, I don't know, since you're recently infected yeah, and you're just experiencing undetectability for the first time. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So happy for you. Thank you. I just think that, um, you know, we have two different experiences. Like I lived in the time when thank god it was in the 80s when there were no meds and everybody was dying it was just horribly scary but like at least i got it 20 years ago when the meds were already out and in saving lives yeah but i also got hiv at a time when there was no undetectable status so i really felt so i've been like from the ground up since i got hiv i've been kind of trained you got to tell everybody you have to be honest you have to have integrity and let them know and then they can make their own choices but now that we have undetectability status, it's kind of like, oh, this is a whole new thing for me now. Mm-hmm. You know, that I, I, I don't have to really tell them because, but I usually do. I haven't, I haven't been very active lately because of COVID, but when I do get back in the saddle, I guess, um, I don't know. It's always kind of nice when you meet somebody that's already undetectable and positive themselves. That then you like you're on the same page. We get it. Yes. You know? It's yes. kind of like a relief sometimes. It's like, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> what 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 pill do you take? <laughs> you, you guys have more topics to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, all these pills, they have like difficult, weird pronunciations. <laughs> yeah, they do. I can barely pronounce. It's like I could not remember all the medications. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's just like so many now. Why are you on? I'm on Bitogby. I'm on Genvoya. Genvoya. Yeah, don't they sound like planets? <laughs> it does. It does. Genvoya sounds like a plant from South Africa, actually. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And Big Tarvi, I don't know. It sounds like a European last name. <laughs> yeah. Big Tarvi, or it just sounds like, I don't know, some kind of exotic meal you'd get in Europe. Like, <laughs> I'll have the big tarvi, please. I'll have to. Who came up with all these names? I guess the pharmacies. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 uh, I've always wondered, like, where they come up with these names. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's, like, actually a formula to, to, to form a medication's name. Maybe mm-hmm. it means something, but we just don't know. Well, like a tripla. I took a tripla when I started. Yeah. If, if they called it trip, like triple three, right. because there were three ingredients. Yeah. That's a, I know that's the history behind that drug, but you know, Tarby, it got me there. In terms of disclosure, do you tell your friends upfront or do you tell them maybe like, oh, uh, once you actually get to know each other? Uh, I, well, I've, with old friends mm-hmm. that I've known my whole life, or family, I didn't tell them right away because my health was okay. I went to support groups. I found the emotional support I needed. Two of my best friends were already positive. So they were there for me. And I had a lot of supportive friends. So that was great. And I did tell them. I told the people I felt the closest to and that I could trust mm. here in LA. Yeah. You know, my family's 3,000 miles away. I didn't want to like just call and drop the bomb on them. It was my parents were having enough problems at that time. But, but um but I but there are friends you know from Boston that I that I 
I consider lifelong friends since childhood, but I haven't told them. Mm. Um, I haven't told colleagues at work too much. I mean, just recently I had to get a doctor's note. So I didn't, I could continue to work at home and not have to go into the campus because they were trying to make us back to school a few weeks ago. And I got a doctor's note. My HIV doctor basically said, I have a condition, underlying condition that makes me vulnerable to COVID. And um, so they accepted the letter and then I, I, I got to go back home and teach. But I'm sure they're wondering, what is this underlying condition that Gary has? Because he seems so energetic healthy. and healthy and, you know, like probably one of the healthiest people that we ever uh. teachers on the campus. But so and so I didn't I, I made sure my doctor did not say he has HIV because that letter goes to downtown, the, you know, the, the headquarters to mm. approve it. And you don't know what they're going to think. You know what I mean? Even professionally, like if they have somebody that's homophobic or whatever, like, you know, they could change my schedule. They could somehow find a way to get back to me if there's any homophobia or. So it's just best not to sometimes not say anything at all. Do your coworkers <laughs> know that you are gay? Um, I think it would be hard for them not to figure that out. They, they have, yeah. I mean, I'm, the ones I'm closer to know because we've talked about it, mm, but mm. I haven't told them. I just told two of my colleagues, they're like, I know them pretty well. And they said, why are you getting a doctor's note? What's wrong with you? Mm. And I was kind of like, it's none of your business. You don't, you really have to ask, but. Mm, but I, maybe they ask out of compassion, maybe. Maybe, but she was fine. I mean, my friend that I told her, I said, I said, I made you be positive. I said, I'd appreciate it if you don't like, you know, discuss it with. Others. Other coworkers. Yeah, yeah, I just, it's not, I'm not ashamed of it or anything, but I just, it's, it's personal and nobody, you know, even though here I am doing a blog. How, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Like, I think this is probably the first time that you will have to discuss your status on a internet platform, right? This is my first time doing anything like this. How, how do you feel? Are you okay? I feel so scared. <laughs> no, I'm very comfortable. It's actually kind of freeing and liberating, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. If it was years ago, maybe I'd feel differently. But honestly, um, I'm all about education. I'm all about awareness. And I'm, 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 I think in some ways getting HIV, at the time it felt like, oh my God, this is so unfortunate or whatever. But now I just, and I've heard other people say this in my support groups, that getting HIV was the best thing that ever happened to them. And I'm not going to go that far, but I can see the valid points about this is that, look, you know, we got to fight stigma. You know, yeah. just, just because I'm positive or I'm gay or whatever doesn't mean I'm, I'm like they say on the, on the gay chat site. So they go, mm. I'm clean, you be too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I took a shower like five minutes ago. Yeah. What are you talking about? And like, I know what they're talking about. And I, I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I find it offensive. Yeah. I hate it when people ask, hey, are you clean? I was like. Well, I know why you are asking. Are you asking if I have any HIV, you know, any STDs or HIV? So theoretically, my answer should be, no, I'm not clean. I have HIV. But also at the same time, people with HIV are not dirty, you know? Well, that's again the stigma. Like, oh, we, we, we got, we got the, the worst STD of all. And yeah. we must have done something reckless or irresponsible or we're whores or... Yeah. To get, you know what I mean? There's some kind of negative connotation to it. Yeah. It's like HIV is associated with promiscuity and it's associated with uh, irresponsibility, all kind of stuff like that. And uh, excuse me, I just want to throw in that yeah. I do know a lot of people that are HIV were high. 
when they got like a lot of people in the crystal meth in the in the gay community yeah has has a, a, resulted in a lot of people getting infected because they weren't yeah, you know, fully conscious or aware to take care of themselves. Right, exactly. And like you, you said you didn't really have frequent sex, and then mm-hmm. maybe like once in a while, and then just that one time you got it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And I call I actually call it the uh, the immaculate infection <laughs> because like you know like like the, the Virgin Mary is the immaculate conception of Jesus, and but with me, I thought about doing a one man show actually calling it the immaculate in- infection Ooh. because. Uh, I was raised really Catholic, and so you know, for me, this would be like, oh, great, you know, I have sex once every ten years, and this is my punishment. See, that's what you get for having sex, you sinner. <laughs> did, did you actually feel that way? Did you feel like it was a punishment on a subconscious level? Yes, I'm sure. I was like, okay, this is, you know, I mean, the, being raised Catholic and in the environment, in my family, there was a lot of repression. There wasn't sexuality wasn't supported and everything. So I already carried that shame or yeah. that guilt with me. Yeah. But so to get HIV on top of it later, like on some level, subconsciously, it's kind of like, well, you know, that that's you took that risk. And this mm. is this is the price you pay. I yeah, <laughs> I feel the same way. I think my story is a little different. I have always been sexually active. So uh, I have, uh, you know, frequent sex. But every single fucking time, I always make sure I'm safe. I, I was either on prep or wore a condom when I had sex with a stranger. Mm-hmm. But just that one time I went to Phoenix with my friend and then I was, you know, so horny. So I made up with this guy. And then at that time I was not on prep. And then I asked him, Hey, do you, uh, when, uh, do you have any, you know, STDs or HIV? And then his answer was no. So well, either he was lying or he hadn't been tested, and he was being honest, and he didn't know. Right. So, uh, so we had sex without condoms, and uh, they had fun. Was it was that at least great sex? No. Oh, it, it was average. Really? Yeah. It, <laughs> average. I don't know if it. Yeah, I guess it was like a ninety nine cent store level. <laughs> <laughs> and then after I found out I'm positive, I called him. He didn't pick up. So I texted him. I, I say, hey, this is the story. I found out I'm positive and I'm pretty sure I probably got it from you because I didn't have any other sex. Yeah. He did not respond. I, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. So that is a little weird. It's like if you didn't know you are positive and then now I told you, you will respond. You're going to say, hey, thanks for letting me know. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry yeah, i'm so sorry I, I apologize but the fact that you did not respond that is really telling how did that make you feel fine actually fine because you probably weren't shocked because right? i don't think it's his fault i i do think it's my fault because i have the choice to to stop i had a choice to wear a condom but mm-hmm. i told him not to mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard it's like to some people getting hiv they don't think it's their fault which is fine. But I think to me, I think it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. we have to be, all be accountable for, our, our, for ourselves. Yeah. Nobody put a gun to our head and said, you have to do this. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I do think that was my fault and my punishment. 
I mean, I am not Catholic, but I do feel like there is the universe telling me I, I was being a little too risk taking. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, we we have to be careful not to use the word punishment. I I yeah. like to say this was a, uh, I needed to get what what is the what is the lesson here? What's the mm. lesson to learn? Yeah. And, you know, and I guess it's just how to take better care of myself. Maybe I wasn't never really that great at self care. You know what I mean? Like my health so being hiv it's kind of like you know i try to eat better sleep take care of myself take my vitamins take my medication all the time yeah you know self-care because growing up i was all about taking care of everybody else because that just had to be done to survive mm. now that i'm older I, it's just me i can it's an opportunity to take care of myself and also i've met some great people yeah. in my life and friends exactly because of it yeah exercise way more after my diagnosis Mm-hmm. Yeah, like before my diagnosis, I was like, oh, why would I need to exercise? I don't need that. My health is fine. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, you better exercise because you have this underlying condition. So I guess that's the good side of getting this virus. It's yeah. like it pushes me to be a better person, yeah. as cliche as it sounds. But yeah, yeah. it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We, we are human. We make mistakes. And that's something that. Uh, I think the gay community can learn too when they're quick to judge, like I'm clean, are you clean? You know, it's just like be more sensitive up to the words you choose and yeah. what you say to other people because yeah, the power of words are really, really um carry a lot of weight. So we have yeah, to be it, careful of the words we choose. He has a lot of implications. Yeah. 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 Like Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. It's a great book if you haven't read it. I did actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the power of the word is one of the steps. Yes. Let's take a break. Be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Captain Daddy. Are you looking for a sugar daddy? I am. Haha. <laughs> Captain Daddy is a grocery shopping delivery service where you can hire a sugar daddy to shop groceries and personally deliver them to you. Captain Daddy connects you with local sugar daddies who are eager to help you with your life. Need hot wings and chocolate cupcakes, but feeling too lazy to go out? Well, you can find a sugar daddy on Captain Daddy. Not only will your sugar daddy deliver food to you in a luxurious vehicle, but he will also offer to be your company of the day. Yep, with just one click away, you can be in the passenger seat of his Tesla. If you prefer staying in, of course, your Captain Daddy is always down to be a snuggler. Hiring a sugar daddy on Captain Daddy does not cost you any money. What? It's free? How come? Yeah, it's free. Cause what? Sugar daddy need no money from their babies. They just want to see you smile and hear you say, I, I, Captain Daddy. Due to the increased demand of this service, every customer can only order one sugar daddy per month. But if you use the promo code Oliver, you can order as many as you want per day. And they come in different colors and sizes. Just remember, sugar daddies don't like to run into other sugar daddies. Make sure you space out your appointments. Go on CaptainDaddy.com and find your Captain Daddy today. This commercial is created for entertainment purposes only. The product that was advertised does not exist. What are some of the misunderstandings about mm. this disease that you still hear a lot? The mis- misconceptions? Yeah. 
like you you still hear a lot well not not as many as there used to be mm. I, I think i think the biggest misconception is the undetectable right people so don't know what that is they don't know what it is and uh we have to just educate ourselves first so we, we know what we're talking about but it's really not that difficult you know basically i'm undetectable and I'll, I'll, you'll stay that way as well if we're if we take any risks mm. but misconceptions too i guess just people think it's dirty it's just like um there's a you know there's a stigma what what are your family's reactions when you tell them uh well i didn't tell my mom and dad they've had they passed away so i never told them and uh they would have been fine with it and loved me and supported me but i just you know they were having a lot of health issues and there was a lot going on with my family so i just chose not to tell them because i got the support i needed here but I told my uh, brother and two of my sisters during COVID because oh. I got really sick and I guess I had an aller allergic react reaction to Bactrim. And my mm. doctor thought, oh my God, my T-cells went down to like under 100. What? what? While I'm on my medication. That is so dangerous and weird. It's bizarre. A, it's incredibly dangerous and bizarre <laughs> and weird. And my doctor's like, I don't know what is wrong with you. She's like, but you, I, you don't have COVID. I tested negative for COVID. Um, she checked for like Lyme disease. She checked for like every kind of uh, immunocompromised or any kind of virus, you know, that you could possibly have. And I tested negative on all of them. She's finally like, I, I'm just baffled. And the other doctors here, I've shared your, your case with them and they don't know what. She's like, I was ready to hospitalize you, though. Like my oh my my, my, um, my kidney levels actually shifted to a, a higher danger uh, you know, level. And she she's like, I'm concerned you might even have cancer. Like we might have to do. Uh, resort to other other uh, you know uh, more uh intrusive aggressive. surgeries maybe maybe yeah yeah but thank god but then i i went back to see her two weeks later and i was got off the bathroom and then i was fine my t-cells were back to normal my kidneys were back to normal my energy level was back to normal and, and i said she goes were you taking any medications or anything during that time i said well my genboya my yeah. hgv meds and bathroom because i had an ear infection and yeah. i never take um you know, penicillin or any antibiotics. It's like, I know they're really hard on your system and I usually can get better without taking them. But for some reason that time I decided to take Bactrim. So she swears to this day, I just had an allergic reaction to Bactrim. Mm. And that's, she's and like, don't, then don't. you told your siblings when you are so sick. So exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yes. Getting, that's the, what brought this all up is I was talking to my sister and I said, my T cells are a hundred and blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, Oh, do you, you have maybe you have HIV or AIDS. Oh, they ask that. Have you been tested for HIV? And I was like, so here's my golden opportunity to either lie, you just, just keep keep it a secret. The universe is telling you this is the moment. This is the moment to to, to tell it all. Do you want to keep it a secret or tell it in? <laughs> or do you want to break free from keeping it a secret? All Drop these the years? bomb. Yeah. So I I I just simply said I have been HIV positive for 18 years. What What did I say? Like, really? Why didn't you tell us? Oh, I was just didn't, didn't want you guys to worry. Yeah. Oh, uh, we were afraid that we were going to judge you. And I said, maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> but not, but really, I said, no, I, I, I know you guys would have loved me and accepted me. And I was actually kind of disappointing after keeping it a secret all these years. I thought my sisters would be like a little, just a little more surprised or a little more, I guess, uh, I don't want to say upset, but just, you know, a little more, um, curious like they didn't say you know who were you with how did you get it uh my sister carrie who i'm closest to in age she did say 
I, I really feel disappointed in you if you're not telling me. She's like, you and I were so close growing up. We, you know, you know, you were like my husband when I went through my divorce. You, you spent so much time when you came to Boston to visit and you were so close. And she's like, you've now, she, and she's a nurse. She's like, you've known you've had this for all these years when you came home. What? She's like, I'm just really bummed out you didn't tell me. I'm disappointed. Like, I thought you could have entrusted me with that information. And I was like, it's nothing personal. I didn't do it to hurt you. Yeah. And you didn't know how she's actually going to react anyways, no, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. You never know until it, until it happens. Yeah. And so, but you know what? They don't bring it up. They don't, they don't, they, they don't bring it up or say, you know, uh, keep your immune system healthy. I think my sister who's a nurse said, yeah, you should definitely get the vaccine because you are, you are positive. Speaking of medications, I have a few questions. Like for your personal experience, did you experience any side effects of your medication? No, just the, just the, uh, a tripla. When I started a tripla, they told me that one of the symptoms would be like really strange, surreal dreams. Like one of the three ingredients causes, um, does something to the brain that you have like really vivid, intense dreams. Mm. And I did. And some of them, I'll, I'll never forget it. Like that was like the second night after I started a tripla that I had these really, really surreal dreams, but they didn't really bother me. They were kind of cool. Mm. They weren't scary. They were yeah. just really vivid and just really out there. Very trippy. Yeah. But no, you know, diarrhea, uh, I would say fatigue, you know, it, when it, I feel tired sometimes and I've had a good night's sleep, but I still feel like I'm in the middle of the afternoon or whatever. And I'm, I'm hitting a little wall and I'm like, I think this is this is a side effect of the medication. I just I just used to have more energy. Is it like on a daily basis that you feel that? No, no, no. Just like once in a while, yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 but it's more common than not. It's before your diagnosis. Yeah, mm. yeah. I've noticed that I just do feel a little bit more. Just you know, uh, because you know, they're pretty toxic. You know what I mean? They're yeah. going through every day. I'm putting this pill in my mouth. And I know. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. But I heard they're going to have a shot maybe within the next few years. I know. Once a month or maybe even a cure in our lifetime. I've heard. I mean, I don't want to give any false information, but I do have heard that, hey, the cure is near. Yeah. Near? Like how many years are they talking? Uh, maybe that, five. I do not know. I'm just guessing. Wouldn't that be amazing if there was a cure? Then we wouldn't have to disclose or worry about, um, you know, taking pills or having to explain our detectability to everybody or have to worry about, you know, I don't know. I mean, it'll, it'll, I hope in our lifetime we get to experience exactly. both, you know, I just think of some, a, a funny story. Like the other day I was chatting with my friend who is also HIV positive And then I asked him, Hey, when did you get it? And then he said, Oh, in the nineties when AIDS was still cool. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess getting HIV or getting AIDS nowadays is kind of eh. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uneventful. Yeah, it's like cool. Yeah. It, it's like I don't know. Uh, like like it's like getting what? Getting syphilis or gonorrhea? Yeah. And then <laughs> it's, it's not it's a big deal, I guess, because you still need to take medications. But knowing that you are not going to be killed. Yeah, it really helps. It does help. Yeah, I mean, it's but back in the day though, before they came up with penicillin, yeah, people did die. I know it's, it's it's sad. I know, and we we have lost so many lives before we finally achieve, you know, the 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 the, 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 the new thing with this undetectable. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, come a long way. Yeah, 
you know, but we still have, we still have a ways to go, you know, but it's, it's definitely much better than it was. Did you have any friends that you knew were HIV positive and they are now willing to be on medications? Uh, yes. And he died. Oh, was my neighbor in the building I live in. I don't know why he never told me he was positive, but he died of AIDS and as he was getting sicker and thinner and he moved in with his mother. I went to visit him one day and he, I just, he looked like something out of the, the movie Philadelphia in the eighties with Tom Hanks. Like when they just showed the, when they had movies back then of people that looked like they were dying of AIDS. Mm. And I just said, Oh my God, like this is, he's, this is serious. This is serious. He's not well. I think he, I bet, I'm sure he has AIDS. But he never told me, and then he died. And then we went through. He, other people said they 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 found paperwork saying that he was positive, mm. but he just chose not to get on the meds. He was in denial. I don't know why. When was this? Probably like mm, probably like six or seven years ago. Okay, I see. So is the back then medication were readily available? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I already had HIV. Right, it was available for me. Yeah, so it should be available to him as well, but. And yeah. I was I was really uh, upset with him, you know. I mean, I had some anger around around that because he he didn't have to die. I don't know why he was in such denial. I don't know why he did not take his meds. But yeah, he, he'd still be here today if he did. Did you know if he is? Did you know if he was out as a gay man? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah he was very he was very open about his and he was rather flamboyant. But he was great. He played the piano. He was like Puerto oh. Rican. Um, that might be it. It might be like that whole machismo thing, you know, like maybe he just didn't want to acknowledge his HIV status or mm. he didn't take it seriously or didn't want to accept the fact that he was like, I don't know. We never talked about it. Mm. I've heard that some gay men who are still being in the closet and they still secretly have sex with other men, mm -hmm. but they refuse to get tested. They refuse to know if they are mm -hmm. HIV positive or not because they feel like if they get tested, it means they are coming out. Mm -hmm. It means they are being forced to come out as a gay man, but they don't want that. Mm -hmm. So they refuse to get tested, but they secretly have sex with men. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and they go, they go back to their wives. Yeah, because I, I, I guess I get that because... Well, first of all, HIV is not a gay disease, but people associate that as gay disease. So yeah. people will feel like if I go tested for HIV, does that mean I'm identifying myself as a gay man? And I don't want that. So I guess I'm just not going to test it. Mm -hmm. And that's actually bad because you are delaying your treatment if you are positive, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dangerous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure quite a few people have gotten sick and died that that never, if they don't get tested, then they're just gonna, you know, get sick over time. And I'm sure we've lost a lot of people that way too. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Gary, for coming to my apartment. Fabulous. I've <laughs> got some great decorating ideas. Oh, really? For your own apartment? My own apartment. Yeah. Like what? Like you, I, you I want love, the, love, oh, you want the David Bowie painting? Well, I like these little shelves that you can put these little things on. I got you from Amazon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, I like those. And uh, more plants. I need more plants in my place like you have. Yeah, plants will yeah. make you happy. They if you more oxygen. Yeah, yeah, no, they do. Yeah. And it's, it's, I have a great apartment with lots of light. So it'll just yeah. make the whole place glow. Cool. Yeah. Yes. But yes, great, great to be here.
So uh, right now you are a facilitator at Being Alive LA. Can you uh, introduce to our listener what it is and mm-hmm. what are these support groups available? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually um, a volunteer with uh, the Life Group LA. And on Friday nights, we call it Friday Night Light. And it's for uh, men that are, or women, anybody who's living with HIV or knows somebody with HIV that needs support. Um, it's kind of an older group. You know, I think... Um, a lot of younger people like you, when they get test positive, maybe when they come, I mean, I hope the group is, I wouldn't be here today if you didn't show up. So yeah. something good came out of it. Yeah. But I mean, if that's not the right group for you or whatever, then, you know, some, some guys like being around younger people and the same age group or whatever, or more newly infected people versus like a lot of these guys have had it for long-term survivors, many, yeah. many years. But it's just a place, you know, for, to talk about, you know, side effects, changes in medication. Uh, dating, isolation, disclosure, or just, you know, how, how the week went, you know, it's just a place to go to prevent isolation, especially during COVID where I've got the regulars in the group come every week. Like this is like a big, they're a big social thing for them. This is like a big part of their, you know, social life. Right. Yeah. While we all know that, you know, we're gay, we're HIV and, um, and being alive is the organization that's in West Hollywood. I think they just relocated to, Sunset Boulevard and in Hollywood, and they'll be reopening soon. But they have services, you know, for people that are HIV positive, and they help them with housing, they help them with therapy, they help them with acupuncture, um, support groups like mine on Friday nights, and then there's I think another one on Thursday nights for newly diagnosed, and there's another one on Wednesday for another group. So there's like three or four support groups that are going. Once that happen once a week, with right? Each, each or different days of the week, right? So if you if you need a lot of support, hey, here it is. Yeah, yeah. Like on a weekly basis, and yeah. I, don't, I don't get paid. I volunteer, um, but it's okay. I just I love to give back, and um, the guys in the group are are great. It just gives me uh, a sense of community myself. I hope this is gonna be the last episode that I need to do about HIV. I hope like. After this, people will know about HIV, and I don't have to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So we need yeah. as many people as possible to listen. Thank you, Gary. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. All right, cuties. That's my conversation with Gary O'Brien. So I would like to clarify two things. So when Gary and I were discussing the choice of whether or not to use a condom when you are having sex. I feel like I came across off as encouraging people not to wear a condom, but that's not what I meant. I believe you should always wear a condom. My point was that I understand why some people, they choose not to wear a condom. And I don't think we should be judgmental about people's choice. However, I think we all should try to protect our health. And obviously, I did not do a good job. But I hope you guys can, you know, try your best. And the second thing is, when Gary and I, we were discussing if we should disclose our status when you are already HIV undetectable, Gary and I don't know the answer. We don't know. Basically, the purpose of this interview is just to start a discussion since this undetectable thing it's very recent. So a lot of people, they don't know what to do with this new information. And also, I do want to mention that some states, 
legally require people aware of their HIV status to disclose their status to a sexual partner. And California is not one of those states. So as of January 1st, 2017, it is no longer a felony for people who are HIV positive to have unprotected sex and not disclose their status in California. But it is still possible for someone to file a lawsuit for money damages if a partner fails to disclose an STD status. Just letting you guys know, this is the law in California, but I'm not saying that you should not disclose your status. I don't know the answer. I don't know what is the right way to do. And I hope uh, by continuing this discussion, more people will be more aware of what undetectable means. And I think by then eventually, Hopefully, people will be like, oh, you're undetectable. Okay, cool. You don't need to explain anything more. Yeah, I think that will be the best situation when the majority of people have knowledge of undetectable. Yeah. All right. So uh, if you are a person living with HIV and seeking support, check out beingalifela.org. They are based in Los Angeles and they provide low to no cost mental health counseling. And they also have some health and wellness programs for uh, people living with HIV like acupuncture and massage. Yeah, so go on beingalifela.org. All right. So uh, if you would like to support us, you can go on Instagram at Get Intimate Podcast or go on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Oliver Wong Comedy. Let's get intimate.